Good morning. It's good afternoon. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, we reverently come before you. Sinner is how we are. Weak is how we are. But our hope is on Jesus himself, the one who was crucified. We welcome you to be in your midst. And that you hide me under your wings and you cover my sins with your blood. As that you change me and use me as an instrument that you only Jesus can be glorified and speak to your people. I'm not worthy for this work. But you only use me as your will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to talk about uh, the crisis. And this is not a sermon. I call it a little start. Let's do this start together. About the crisis. And this crisis is so serious that it is difficult to see it. So, let's go through this study and see where it goes. From our memory text, it says that Jeremiah was given commission to preach and to warn people. But people were against Jeremiah. They did not love what Jeremiah was saying. They didn't want to hear what he was saying. Yet God told him to speak according to what God wanted him to speak. Regardless, if the people wanted it or not. So, Matthew 24, verse 1 and 3. And Jesus went out and departed from the temple. And his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things? Verily I say unto you, that I shall not be left here one stone upon another, that I shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of the coming and the end of the world? So the disciple of Jesus showed him the temple. And this temple was magnificent. It was a nice building. And the disciples were proud of the temple. And when they were on the Mount of Olive, Jesus was there. They went to him privately. Now, what did Jesus say? And just answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. He did not tell them about how the sign will be. He was asking, tell us. He said, take heed that no man deceive you. So he did not ask, answer their question. But he gave them a warning of the dangerous and the problem, the main problem before his second coming. And that will be deception. Deception 
will be the end of the game. And as we go with this uh, start, I want you, if you can, please, when you go home, go and take the book of Patrick and Prophets and read the chapter why sin was permitted. Because Lucifer, he did use sophistry, secrets. He disguised himself that even angels believed him in heaven. He used, he was disguised his purpose, his character, and his aims. Only God knew what Lucifer's plan was and how his government will be. For many shall come in my name, say I am Christ, and shall deceive men. So the crisis which we, I want me and you to talk today is about deception, which is eating religious wealth is eating Christianity, is crushing people in their millions. Deception. Deuteronomy 13, verse 1 and 3. If there arise among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams and give thee a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, Whereof he spake unto thee, saying, Let us go after other gods, which thou hast not known, and let us serve them. Thou sh shalt not hearken unto the words of that prophet, or that dreamer or dream of dreams. For the Lord your God proveth you to know whether ye love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your souls. So the problem. What Jesus spoke was there even in the time of Israel. False prophets were there. You remember the time of Elijah? False prophets were inside the king's palace. They were the one to sit with Jezebel, which is another type of the church. And arranged things. False prophets were a problem in Israel. False prophets were a problem in Jerusalem, uh, before Jerusalem was destroyed, false Christ and false prophets is the problem today in our world as we speak. Ezekiel 13, verse 24. Son of man prophets against the prophets of Israel. This is Ezekiel. That prophets and say thou unto them that prophets out of their own heart, hear the words of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God, woe unto the foolish prophets that follow their own spirit and have seen nothing. O Israeli, thy prophets are like foxes in the desert. You know, foxes in the desert, they go all over the place and they fight all over the place. That's the character of foxes. So here, Ezekiel. He speaks about the prophet that they move they all over and they follow their own hearts. 13, 6, 7 and 10. They have seen vanity and lying divine nations. Saying the Lord say and the Lord has not sent them. And they have made others to hope that they will confirm the word. Have you not seen a vain vision? 
And have you not spoken like divination wherein you say, the Lord say, it, I bet, I have not spoken. When you look at the Christianity world today, what did you see? People hope for something better. And the preachers, they come with healings and miracles. And the people flocks in their millions. But if you read your Bible, miracle is not any assurance that that particular preacher or prophet is true. Only the word of God, the Bible and the Bible alone, can assure that this particular preacher or a prophet is the minister of God. Miracle is not an issue. Satan do too can do miracle. Because even because they have seduced my people saying peace and there was no peace. And the one built up a wall and no another doubted it with untempered mind. They tell people hope. They tell people there is assurance while people are being deceived. To wait the prophet of Israel which prophets concerning Jerusalem and which see vision of peace for her and there is no peace, says the Lord. Because with lies he have made the heart of righteous sad, whom I have not made sad, and strengthened the hand of the wicked, that he should not return from his wicked way by promising him life. The problem and the issue, which was the problem? Preachers who preach smooth things, lies, and there is no rebuke of sin. There is no truth as how it is. This was the problem. And it is the problem today. There is more lies than what says the Lord. There is more kind of, of smoothing truth which is error and truth. Well to be. Well be unto the pastor that he destroy and scatter the sheep. Of my pastor, say the Lord. Here I make it very clear. Therefore, thus say the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. He have scattered my flock and driven them away, and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doing, says the Lord. Here I make it very clearly today. When we talk about a false prophet and false Christ, we are talking about false pastors. Who speak? According to their thinking. Who are there only to satisfy people? Who are there not to rebuke sin in, in its name, but to give people smooth things? Jeremiah lived during this time. Remember, I'm talking about things. Jeremiah lived during the time when Israel was about to be taken to Babylon. Are we together? And here is a parallel with the destruction of Jesus, or the destruction of Jerusalem, and it is a type of today, my heart within me is broken because of the prophets. 
All my bones shake. I am like a drunkard man. And like a man whom one has overcome. Because of the Lord and because of, his, of the words of his holiness. So Jeremiah spoke because God was very strong about these false prophets. And yet, there were many in the time. They were the one people are listening to. They are the one people we are following to. For the land is full of adulteresses. Adulteresses is mixed of truth and what? Truth and error. Adulteresses in the Bible is mixed of truth and error. For because of swearing the land mourneth, the pleasant places of the wilderness are dried up, and the, their cause is evil, and for their force is not right. For both prophet and priest are profane. Leaders are profane. Yea, in my house have I found their weakness, says the Lord. So this problem today is finishing Christianity. Let me ask you a critical question. When you look at Christianity today, what do you see? Do you see sincerely preachers who preach Jesus regardless of the outcome? Or you see preachers who preach what people want to hear and promising people good life, prosperity, and all these good things which never comes? And I have seen fall in the prophets of Samaria. They prophesied in Baal, sun god, and he caused my people Israel to err. I have seen also in the prophets of Jerusalem a terrible thing. They commit adulteries. They mix truth and error and walk in lies. They strengthen also the hand of evildoers that none does return from his wicked, wickedness. They are all of them unto me as Sodom and the inhabitant, therefore, as Gomorrah. Now, let's turn to the spirit of prophets. And let's see what he tells us about this people. The day are first approaching. Testimony, volume 5, page 8 and 81. The days are first approaching when there will be great perplexity and confusion. Satan clothes in angels' robes will deceive, if possible, the very elect. There will be gods, men, and lords, men. Every wind of doctrine will be blowing. Those who have rendered supreme homage to science falsely, so-called, will not be leaders then. Those who have trusted it to intellect, genius of, or talent, will not then stand at the head of the ranks and fire. They did not keep pace with the light. Those who have proved themselves unfaithful will not then be entrusted with the flock. In the last solemn work, few great men will be engaged. They are self-sufficiency, independency of God. So as we are in this period, false doctrine will be all over the place. And only those who will understand and discern are those who study and pray sincerely for themselves. This time is not a time for the pastor saying, no. What does the Bible say? Have you studied for yourself? 
My question is this. What do we think? Do we think Satan is a fool? Do we think Satan will come boldly as Satan is how he is? No. He will disguise himself. He will come as a friend. He will come as a Christian. And he cannot use them. The Lord has first servant who in the shaking testing time will be disclosed to view. There are precious ones now hidden who have not bowed the knees to bear. They have not had the light which has been shining in a centralized blaze upon you. But it may be under a rough and uninviting exterior. The pure brightness of the genuine Christian character will be revealed. In the day, time, we look toward heaven, but do not see the stars. They are there, fixed in the moment, but they cannot distinguish them. In the night, we behold their genius luster. Satan uses men and women as his agent to solicit to sin and make it attractive. This agent is faithful educated so to disguise sin that he cannot that he can more successfully destroy soul and rob Christ of his glory. Son, Satan is the great enemy of God and man. He transforms himself through the, his agent into the angel of light. In the scripture, he is called a destroyer. So Satan, today what he will use? He will use preachers. He will use pastors. He will use theologians. He will use people that everybody has confidence with. An accuser of the brethren, a deceiver, a liar, a tormentor, and a murderer. Satan has many in his employ, but he is more successful when he can use a prophet's Christian. Are you there? For his satanic work. And the greater the influence, the more elevated their position, the more knowledge they profess of God and his services, the more successful can he use them Whoever enters to sin is his agent. So deception to the dead is not the issue of who. Deception today is seated within Christianity. So many preachers, but many of them are Satanists, agents, doing Lucifer's work and deceiving millions without people knowing. There is always a bewitching power. Testimony, volume 5, verse, uh, page 142. There is always a bewitching power in heresies and in lasciviousness. The mind is so deluded that it cannot reason intelligently. And an illusion is continually leading it from purity. The spiritual eyesight becomes blood. And person of hereto attain moral become confused under the delusive sophistry of those agents of Satan who profess to be messengers of light. It is this delusion which gives this agent power. Should they come out boldly and make their advances openly, they will be repulsed without a moment hesitation. But they walk first to gain sympathy and secure confidence 
in themselves as holy. Self-sacrificing men of God. As his special messengers, they then begin the artifact of drawing our soul from the path of rectitude by attempting to make void the law of who? The law of God. So people gain influence. And when people go to these ministers, they bow to them. And whatever they say, they listen. But the Bible, and here, the spirit of prophet says, they're the workers of Satan. When ministers does take advantage of the confidence, the people place in them and lead soul to do. If you are here, they make themselves as much more guilty than the common sinner as the profession is high. In the day of God, when the great ledger of heaven is open, it will be found to contain the names of many ministers who have many pretensions to purity of heart and life and prophecy to be entrusted with the gospel of Christ, but who have taken advantage of their position to allure soul to transgression the law of God. This is the issue today. And let me tell you this. Christianity is the same. Christianity is, is being eaten. Christianity is diminishing upon the face of the earth. And while there are so many prophets Christian and so many sincere preachers, most of them and many of them are doing the devil's work. Sign of the time, March 31, 1890. This is the very fascinating quote. Those who ignore the Lord's Sabbath to keep holy the first day of the week offer strange fire to God. It is a strange Sabbath which he has commanded them not. Will he accept it at the head, men have sought out many inventions. They have taken a common day upon which God has placed no sanctity. And they have closed it with the sacred prerogatives. They have declared it to be a holy day. But this does not give it vestige of sanctity. They dishonor God by accepting human institutions and presenting to the world as the Christian Sabbath, uh, and the Christian Sabbath, a day which has no other say the Lord. For it is authority, as did Nadab and Abihu, they offer the common in place of the sacred. Nadab and Abihu, they went before God and they offer a strange fire which God did not kindle. You see, let's pause here for a moment. During the time of Old Testament, the Israel, when they wanted to pray, when, when they offered the sacrifice, when they prayed, and when God accepted their prayers, the fire came down from heaven. 
You see Elijah on Mount Carmel. When he stood against the, fall, uh, the, the, the prophet of Baal. When he offered his sacrifice. When he prayed. And when God accepted his prayer. The fire came down. It was a, a, it was a divine manifestation. That God had accepted his worship and his prayer. And you see. When Elijah was there. When he prayed. What did he see? He saw the cloud like man's power. Is that right? And when Elijah was there, after God had accepted his prayer, his departure was announced. Let's remember this. His departure was announced. That's why the prophets, the son of prophets, are telling Elijah, do you know that your Lord is living today? He said, yes, I know. Just hold your, your peace. I know today he's living. Those people who were connected with God, they heard an announcement that Elijah's work was done. It is time to leave. Let's go. Because, let's pause here. Because this point you will pick it. I'm about to close. Great controversy. Page 625. As the crowing act in the great drama of deception, Satan himself will impersonate Christ. The church has long professed to look to the Savior's advent as the consummation of her hopes. Now the great deceiver will make it appear that Christ has come. In different parts of the earth, Satan will manifest himself among men as a majestic being of dazzling brightness. Resembling the description of the Son of God given by John in Revelation. The glory that surrounds him is unpassed by anything that immortal eyes have yet behold. The shout of triumph rings out upon the air. Christ has come. Christ has come. The people prostrate themselves in adoration before him. While he lifts up his hands and he pronounces a blessing upon them as Christ blessed his disciples. When he was upon the earth, his voice is softy and subdued, yet full of melody. In gently compassionate tones, he presents some of the same gracious heavenly truth which the saviors uttered. He healed the diseases of the people. And then in his assumed character of Christ, he claimed to change the Sabbath to Sunday. Now, if you read the Bible, you already know that Jesus, when he comes, will not be in, all, in different parts of what? Of the earth. The Bible says every eye will do what? We'll see him. And the other thing is this. Jesus, when he comes, he will not touch this earth. He will stay on the clouds. And then the righteous will be taken. And the dead will be, will be resurrected. And all will meet the Lord in the air. That's what the Bible says. Here, he will be in different parts of the earth. He declares that those who persist in keeping holy the seventh day are blaspheming his name. By refusing to listen to his agent, sent to them with light and truth. 
This is the strong almost of a masculine delusion like the Samaritan who were deceived by some Simon Magus. The multitude from the least to the greatest give heed to this sorcery saying, this is the great power of God. So today in Christianity, some they believe in the rapture. Some believe that when somebody dies, he is in heaven. That's what is going on there, outside. And even in your own ranks, that's what people believe. Here, these people are waiting for the rapture. Here it will be a problem. Now, what will fall? Jesus is ministering in the most holy place. And he's praying for me and for you. And in the most holy place, he's before the Father. And the books are being investigated. Great Controversy, page 624. This book is a classic book. And we need to read this book and pray and read the Bible together with these books. I have found these writings to be my commentary. When he leaves the sanctuary, darkness covers the inhabitant of the earth. In that fair time, the righteous must live in the sight of holy God without an intercessor. The restraint which has been upon the wicked is removed and suddenly has entire control of the final impenitent. God's long suffering has ended. The world has rejected his mess, despised his love, and trampled upon his law. The wicked have passed the boundary of their probation. The spirit of God persistently re resisted had been at last withdrawn. And sheltered by divine grace, they have no protection from the wicked one. Satan will then plunge the inhabitant of the earth into one great final trouble. As the angels of God cease to hold in check the fierce winds of human passion, all the elements of strife will be let loose. Though the whole world will be involved in ruin more terrible than that which came upon Jerusalem of old. When God's presence was finally withdrawn from the Jewish nation, we are coming back to that point we left about Elijah. Priests and people knew it not. Though under the control of Satan and swayed by the most horrible and imaginative passions, they still regarded themselves as the chosen of God. The ministration in the temple continued. Sacrifices were offered upon its polluted altars. And daily the divine blessing was invoked upon a people guilty of the blood of God's dear son and seeking to slay his ministers and the apostles. So, when the irrevocable decision of the sanctuary has been pronounced, and the destiny of the world has been forever fixed, the inhabitant of the earth will know it not. The form of religious will be continued by a people from whom the spirit of God had been finally withdrawn. And the satanic zeal will 
with which the Prince of Evil will inspire them for the accomplishment of his malignant design will bear the semblance of the zeal for God. So time was coming. When Elijah was on the Mount Carmel, he, he heard, he understood. And the prophets and the son of prophets who were connected with God understood. The people understood not. Before Jesus comes, his people will understand that the time is over. The door of probation is closed. It is our work to, mag to magnify and exalt the law of God. The truth of God's whole word is to be made manifest. We are to hold upon the scriptures and the rule of life in all modesty in the spirit of grace. And in the love of God, we are to point men to the fact that the Lord God is the creator of heavens and earth. And that the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord. This is the issue. The world is coming to this point. The world is coming to two issues between Saturday and Sunday. This is the issue. This is an issue that will make this planet. Two groups will be developed. One, those who accept it and honor the law with all their heart and are willingly to obey. You see, the point is this. To accept Jesus is one thing, but to obey him is the second thing. Today, Christianity accepts Jesus Christ, but they are not willing to obey him. Desire of Wages, page 29 and 30. I'm going to finish with this quote from this page. And let me tell you this. The Christian is waiting for something good. But it's not getting better, it's getting worse. And it will get worse. Because God will not change the, issue, the, the state of affairs. Immorality will be there. Problem will be there. He will come to destroy this planet. As they departed from God, the Jews in a great degree lost sight of the teaching of the ritual service. The service had been instituted by Christ himself in every party. It was a symbol of him. And it had been full of vitality and spiritual beauty. But the Jews lost the spiritual life from the ceremony and clung to the deeds to the dead forms. They trusted to the sacrifices and ordinances. Themselves, instead of resting upon him to whom they pointed, in order to supply the place of that which they had lost, the priests and rabbis multiplied requirements of their own. And the more rigidly, rigidly they grew, the less of the love of God was manifested. The measures, their holiness by the multitude of their ceremonies, while their heart were filled with pride and hypocrisy. What do you see today to Christianity? Do you see cleaning 
to obey God. All you see, forms of worship. Dancing and doing all kinds of things. All kinds of things are going on within Christianity. While the Jews desire the advantage of the Messiah, they had no true conception of his mission. Do you think today Christianity well, is aware, is really honestly understanding the second coming of Jesus? They had no true conception of his mission. They did not seek redemption from sin. Do Christians today seek uh, redemption from sin? No. We are ready to be called a Christian, but we don't want to bear the cross. But deliverance from the Romans. They looked for the Messiah to come as a conqueror, to break the oppression's power, and exert Israel to a universal dominion. That's the way. That's the way was prepared for them to reject the same. This is the condition of the present Christian world today. Protestant churches are waiting for the rapture. And they are waiting for whatever. And if 99, if not all, of the Protestant churches, they believe that when somebody dies, he's in heaven. They build their doctrine on the Lazarus parable in the book of Matthew. At the time of the birth of Christ, listen to this quote. This is a fascinating quote. At the time of the birth of Christ, the nation was chafing under the rule of our foreign masters. This planet is chafing under the rule of Satan. Satan is leading, is ruling this planet. And it ranks with internal strife. Social unrest. Do you see social unrest today? The Jews had been permitted to maintain the form of a separate government. But nothing could disguise the fact that they were under the Roman yoke. Or reconcile them to restriction of their power. The Romans claimed the right of appointing and removing the high priest. And the office was often secured by fraud, bribery, and even murder. Thus, the priesthood became more and more corrupt. Yet the priests still possess greater power and they employ it for selfish and mercenary ends. The people were subjected to their merciless demands and were also heavily taxed by the Romans. This state of affairs caused widespread discontent. Popular outbreaks were frequently greed and violence, distrust and spiritual apathy were eating out the very heart of the nation. Hatred of the Romans and nation and spiritual pride led the Jews still to adhere rigorous to the forms of worship. The priests tried to maintain a reputation for sanctity by scrupulous attention to the ceremonies of religion. The people in their darkness and oppression and the rules 
thirsting for power, long for the coming of one who will vanquish their enemies and restore the kingdom to Israel. Last quote. They had studied the prophecies, but without spiritual insight. What do you see to Christian today? Do you, does Christian church understand the prophecy? In it is spiritual meaning. Yes or no? Thus, they overlook those scriptures that point to the humiliation of Christ's first advent. And he misplied those that speak of his glory, of his second coming. Pride obscured their vision. They interpreted prophets in accordance with their selfish desire. This is the problem of Christianity today. Preachers, they preach truth. Mingled with the earth. And they don't want to Point people back to the word of God as how it is. Because there is a cross to bear. To be a Christian is to be different. To be a Christian, it doesn't matter if so and so will laugh at you. Or will laugh at whatever you do. To be a Christian is not to be applauded by the world. It is to be ridiculed. And that is the cross of Christianity. And the Jews, they did not want that. They didn't want redemption from sin. Today, Christianity doesn't want redemption from sin. People want Jesus who satisfies their need. Not it's Jesus who can save people from their sin. Jesus who can save people in their sin. You see, when Jesus leaves the temple in heaven, darkness covers this planet. It's not a literal darkness, a spiritual darkness. The Jews were there, but they were left empty. You see, when Elijah was on the Mount of Carmel, he understood. Ahab didn't understand. Jezebel didn't understand. As we are living close to the end of the time, God is people who have a clear connection with Jesus will have a spiritual eyesight to understand and to know and to discern. And this light will lead them to follow Jesus in all the steps where he is. Christianity is interpreting prophecy according to it. It is selfish desire. And I will say this. Pastors and preachers, let's preach the truth according to the Bible, not according to our selfish desire and our selfish gain. Christianity is diminishing. But those who are studying and praying earnestly to understand and to follow Jesus, God will lead them until Jesus comes in the cloud of heaven. God bless you today 
as we live in Jesus' name. Amen.